Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to week two of our series, Deeply Formed. My name is Jason. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at City Collective. And if this is your first time joining us, you're so welcome here. We're really glad that you're starting at least part of the year with us. Now, as we open our year, we're beginning with some important conversations about our mental health and some of the different ways beneath the surface by which we are deeply formed. It's the name of our series. Um, I talked about this last week that our experiences, our emotions, our relationships, and, and our personalities, all of these things, uh, they, they lie beneath the surface and, and they have a great deal of impact upon our lives. And if, and if all of those things lie beneath the surface, it is vital to know how we act upon those areas. Wouldn't you agree? I think that we need to be looking at intentional steps towards healthy and aware ways of being deeply formed. And, and the call of Jesus and the biblical story speaks of deep-rootedness, speaks of wholehearted commitment. It speaks of our lives being made up of more than we often project. So today, we're going to continue forward, and wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith this morning, uh, we say it every week as, as often as we can. Christian, non-Christian, atheist, agnostic, not really sure about Jesus at all, this is a safe place to reflect and wrestle as we talk about relationships that deeply form us and the connection between forgiveness and our mental health. So we're going to read this morning. Uh, would you join us as we read together? Matthew 5:43 to 48 You have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say love your enemies pray for those who persecute you in that way you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike if you love only those who love you what reward is there for that even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. 2 Timothy 3, 1-4 You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Thank you to Johan and Nephthali for leading us in this morning's reading. I uh, appreciate you too. So if, I hope you were listening passage about loving your enemies and what the world looks like when we are abandoning God, what did they invoke in you? A sense of agreement, guilt, apathy? Because here's the thing, we know that forgiveness matters. Uh, we've read about it in children's books since we were little, but if we are honest, we're not particularly adept practitioners of what we can feel like is a form of magic. 
I wish I was quicker to forgive. I wish I didn't catch feelings about what I know to be minimal offense. I wish that my body did not expose me every time I said, oh yeah, that doesn't bother me. There are a multitude of reasons why, but but one that I know without a doubt is that when I have regret, offense, bitterness in my heart, my mind isn't healthy. I feel flushed, I feel detached, I can't formulate a proper sentence. And all of those revenge fantasies, what I would say, how I would say it, how it would make them feel, all those things that I fabricated in my mind, they translate instead into anxiety that I feel all the way through my body. There's a connection between forgiveness and our mental health. And a study in 2015 was conducted to identify scientific evidence relating the two. Um, and quite honestly, they can just do a full body scan when I'm carrying any bitterness in my life because they'll get all the information that they really need. But I digress. As they worked through this study, um, they had a variety of, of findings, but two things that they determined were that unforgiveness is a stress reaction related to poor mental health. And, and the second was that forgiveness is a coping strategy related to improved mental health. So even just as a baseline, there is a general consensus that unforgiveness is bad and forgiveness is good. And yet, why is this not seen in the world we live? How, how do I know this? Well, when we see revenge and retribution, it feels like a regular Tuesday and we barely blink an eye. Perhaps we even have a sense of relief that maybe everything is just back to normal. But when you hear stories of forgiveness, which are rare and, and, and few, to be honest, it, it's almost shocking. And it's sometimes divisive. It's, it's a purple unicorn on a rainbow landing in a pot of magically delicious Lucky Charms. It doesn't seem real. And we are confronted with the question, would I do that? Or we might just think that's just good for them. Forgiveness is, in my opinion, the most difficult but essential element to our relationships. And forgiveness is key to our strength. And, and if that's so, then unforgiveness is our kryptonite. One of the most underrated superhero movies of all time, bar none, Man of Steel. You can argue with me all you want, but you're wrong. This guy from another planet is imbued with incredible superpowers when he's exposed to our yellow sun. Of course, I'm talking about Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman, and he can take a bullet at point-blank range. And because of the power that he has, he's able to impact the world in an incredible way. But he has this weakness. This weakness in the form of, of kryptonite. And whenever he comes in proximity to it at all, that incredible strength that was found in the sun is completely overwhelmed. And isn't that the same for a lot of us? That unforgiveness is our kryptonite. It doesn't need to be in high doses. It doesn't have to even be recognized. It only has to be present in our lives for it to negatively impact our lives. We could be in connection to the sun, Jesus. We're given strength to handle the challenges of tomorrow, but unforgiveness seems to undermine the gifts we have been given. Unforgiveness is one of those things that transforms the way that we live. Uh, to, to, to carry unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison and expecting the rat to die. Have you ever harbored resentment towards someone and, and that you knew that was healthy, but you couldn't let go of it? Have you ever been hurt to the point that you didn't think that they deserve forgiveness? Do you think 
You even have the unawareness, or the awareness, sorry, to know when unforgiveness has entered your life. This is the truth of our human condition. That we've all found ourselves on the wrong side of these questions and been left hurting even more so than before. Unforgiveness towards others, unforgiveness towards ourselves, towards God. You and I, we're not meant to carry old wounds and old hurts forever. You and I are deeply formed by them though. Because by what we are formed by is a different question than simply being deeply formed. And to have a relationship is one thing, but to have healthy, whole, loving relationships is completely different. Jesus understood the deep importance of forgiveness in our world and the deep-rooted pain that is caused by bitterness flourishing into revenge. The, the thing about forgiveness in our world today is that only half of the religions even consider the idea of forgiveness. And those are the Abrahamic faiths, Judaism, Islam, Christianity. And, and in those religions, you have a very clear structure that we are dependent on the generosity and forgiveness of God. The rest kind of operate differently, primarily in the Eastern sense. There is no notion that there is a God showing forgiveness, but rather that we have karma as part of the equation, which is uh, like a debt of badness, which we can only eventually pay off or have retribution for. They, they don't really contain this notion of being forgiven. Matthew 5, it, it kind of goes against this and it outlines a different way for us to forgive with love to love our enemies. Croatian theologian Miroslav Volf, he states this. He says that forgiveness flounders because I exclude the enemy from the community of humans even as I exclude myself from the community of sinners. Christians are, are called to a deeply formed way of, of confession, of repentance, and of forgiveness. I believe that what sets Christianity apart from other religions and philosophies is our ability to love others, even those who disagree with us, and even those who persecute us. And, and I think a primary way we can demonstrate that kind of love in this current culture is in our ability to forgive. While everyone around us is seeking retribution and vengeance, forgiveness is possible, and that plays into every aspect of our lives. So today we're going to be seeing what the Bible has to say about why we forgive and how we can begin that journey. Now, I hope you were listening to 1 Timothy, um, because it caught my attention what Paul was trying to communicate. Because Paul, he couples the idea of, of love and forgiveness together. He said in verse 3, they will be unloving and unforgiving. There, there's a connection between love and forgiveness because in truth, loving each other is pretty widely accepted. I think we can all agree. And in many ways, our loving actions, they, they don't really distinguish us as much as we like to believe, yet love without forgiveness seems to be incomplete according to Paul. So, so the question is, why forgive? Well, what I would like to propose this morning is that the commandment of love God and love your neighbor as yourself is more than simply a divine directive, but, but something that has been given to us to prosper, to strengthen, to heal, to form, to free you. 
that, that to love God and to love others isn't simply a commitment of our hearts to be good, kind people, but a deep awareness of what love really is through the example of Jesus. So what is love in the example of Jesus? In Jesus, we find the greatest act of love that the world has ever seen. Often, I think I'm guilty of simply thinking about Jesus loving the world through his actions of healing, his multiplication of, of a provision, or his giving of wisdom to us. But the greatest act of love that Jesus presents in all of humanity is forgiveness. On that cross, Jesus declares, Father, forgive them. God is love. And the greatest act of love shown to the world where real relationship is desired is forgiveness. So first of all, we forgive because we are forgiven. But that isn't simply a nice platitude to abide by. It is a reality that we are invited into. God is love. And God forgave you and me for the possibility of real, beautiful friendship and relationship to be established. And if that is the pathway to healthy relationship that God takes, how much more so are we needing to follow that path? Our, our, our mental health without relationships, healthy relationships, is precarious. Relationships without love are, are empty, and love without forgiveness is shallow and toxic. We are deeply formed by the relationships in our lives, and when the things which form us are shallow and toxic, we're not going to be healthy. Forgiveness matters, and God's forgiveness towards us is an invitation to receive and respond with what we so desperately need, freedom. Henry Nguyen, he beautifully puts it like this. He says, forgiveness is the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. The hard truth is that all people love poorly. We need to forgive and be forgiven every day, every hour increasingly. That is the great work of love among the fellowship of the weak. That is the human family. That is you and me. What this says to me is that in our current culture, love might be difficult to distinguish between us as Christians and those who don't know Jesus. Of course we should love people, but our loving actions towards others might not set us apart, but the way that we forgive might be the way in which we show Jesus to our world. Forgiveness in this culture stands out because our, our world neither teaches forgiveness or promotes it. Forgiveness is necessary for genuine love to be present. And, for, and forgiveness is hard. It takes an extreme act of love to forgive others and to seek their ultimate good. Now, the Bible never says forgive and forget. Forgiveness doesn't cause amnesia. What, what makes forgiveness an action of love, an action of God, is even though we remember what happened, we still offer forgiveness. One of the greatest marks, markers of a toxic mental health is a deeply formed life from the root of bitterness. When all things are grown from bitterness, trust is impossible. Accountability or, or responsibility almost seem unproductive. And any crisis seems like a repeat experience. But when I know what has taken place and I offer forgiveness, I'm operate as God, operating as God wants me to. So when we talk about forgiveness today, I, I want to ask you, where have you been wounded? How has it formed you? How has unforgiveness maybe become like kryptonite? And are you ready and willing to begin to take some steps towards letting go? For forgiveness is the way we mend 
fractures of the heart. Forgiveness is letting go and building the confidence necessary to experience healthy and positive growth. It is declaring that you will no longer remain locked in the past as a victim of circumstance, that you will no longer perpetuate negative patterns through blame and anger, that you will instead access the strength and love that God gives us. When we show grace, when we show love through forgiveness, it changes everything. So why forgive? Because in forgiveness, we find freedom. In forgiveness, we act out real love. In forgiveness, we take real steps towards the care of, of our mental, physical, and spiritual health. With all that said, I hope this encourages you. I want to say that forgiveness is a skill. It's not a moment but a discipline you can learn and you can get better at. And I wanna encourage you that the more you work at this, the easier it will get. It will become more natural to you. And here's why that's really important. Because what you practice, what, what, what you discipline yourself in, what you get good at in your downtime or when you're not stressed out, that becomes what you default to when stress hits. There, there's all kinds of way that offense hits us and we either choose to hang on to it or we let it go. And, and building this discipline of forgiveness can happen. And, and the better we get at brushing things off, setting things aside, processing it and leaving it behind, when you have small things offend or small things hurt you, how you respond will, will be the default that you will go to when there is a really hard offense that we have to work through in a healthy way. We're all gonna experience it at some point. So forgiveness is a skill, forgiveness is a discipline and that we can get far more out of. And there are great resources, far greater than I can give you in 30 minutes here on a Sunday morning. But now that we've discussed the why, hopefully I can give you some simple beginnings to develop the how, a process of forgiveness in our lives. So I hope that you follow along with me this morning. Number one, I want you to talk, write down, acknowledge the hurt. We, we care for our mental health through acknowledgement and addressing it. This is, this is vital. Because for some of us, our greatest inhibitor to beginning the path of forgiveness is our natural tendency to be conflict avoidant. We, we, we see the conflict incoming, and if we begin on this path, well, we, we're, we're gonna end up in conflict, so we avoid beginning it at all. But instead of seeing the conflict, psychologist Robert Enright, he gives us this piece of advice. He says, no one looks forward to the process of surgery but when people look beyond the procedure to what lies ahead once healing occurs, it is easier to bear. So we need to acknowledge the hurt. We need to look ahead to the hope that we're placing in Jesus, that if his promises are true, I want my life to get on a path to pursuing those promises and caring for what I can care for. So the path to forgiveness starts with identifying what was done and exploring the ways it has shaped your life and your worldview. You need to acknowledge it. Oftentimes that involves affirming an injustice that's been committed. I need to recognize it and unpacking feelings of anger, shame, and guilt that have resulted. And once acknowledgement has taken place, we can then move into number two, and that's to engage the hurt. And this is hard because we don't want to engage with it. Rather, I think what we want to do is acknowledge it and leave it there and now try and escape it. We're like, we know it's there, so now we can stay away from it. We have this false conclusion that acknowledgement is enough. 
And to be honest, that's a society-wide issue where we think that simply recognizing a problem somehow makes the problem okay or magically solves it. The issue is all right. That's okay. We don't need to worry about it. But we, but we need to commit to engage with the hurt and, and empathize with others. And, and, and do we need the grace of God in this process? Because, because to forgive means to hurt all over again. And unforgiveness is often a defense mechanism. To engage is, is to experience a, a, that sense of betrayal, that, that feeling of loss, that, that loss of value, that deep hurts. But when we make that mental and physical ascent to engage, we are truly taking that acknowledgement to that next step. We need to begin to engage after acknowledging by taking steps of rehabilitation. A rehabilitation of the heart is like going to the gym for weeks and months. And like I said, it's a skill that we can practice and we can build up support. It's hard at first, but build up resilience as we go. And the first thing you need to do in that rehab takes us to the third thing we're going to talk through in our steps. And that is exactly that, to talk it through. Find someone you trust have an honest conversation. Perhaps it's a counselor, a family member, a close friend. Perhaps it, it, it probably shouldn't be a, the person that you're harboring those feelings of bitterness against just yet, but someone that you can talk honestly with. After that, in mental engagement, this is an outward step of ownership that speaks to your unforgiveness, saying, I am taking responsibility for what I am carrying and refusing to let it hold me hostage any longer. The, the, the person who injures you and, and who doesn't seem to own it, that is the last person you should ever cede control of your forgiveness. Remember, forgiveness isn't for them. And this is the hard truth when it comes to our pain, that that person that hurts you, that, that's on them. But all of the pain that we feel, all of that hurt that we continue to carry, we make choices to hang on to it to carry it with us. They, they aren't actively hurting us anymore. The only one responsible for your unforgiveness and for my unforgiveness is us. Now, I'm not blaming you. Sometimes you need to hold on to it for a season and you need to process it and carry it with you. But at some point, whether you are living with that unforgiveness or not, that is ultimately up to you. You are not responsible for ensuring they get what they deserve, but you can be responsible for pursuing the freedom you deserve. And that leads us into number four and, and the fourth part of our process. Act it out. I want to give you a few ideas on how you can make your forgiveness physical. So I want to suggest that all the times you practice forgiving when a coworker offends you or when someone cuts you off in tra traffic. Let's not let our default remain revenge or complacency and just save our good responses for when it's hard. One of the things we can do is set our pain down and to learn to walk away from it and leave it behind or send it away. And this can be a physical process. One of the things you can try when you need to forgive somebody is actually physically walk through a process that reminds you of that. So you can take a piece of paper and, and write down who has hurt you, exactly why that hurts so deeply and why you're choosing to leave it behind. And then actually leave that writing behind somewhere. This, this could mean burying it, um, keeping it away in a journal, 
lighting it on fire. Of course, be careful where you keep this because it isn't meant for anyone else to find. But what this does is it helps us in a very tangible, physical way to memorialize this process that's happening in our hearts. That we're taking that pain and, or shutting, and shutting it down. We're saying that it's not going to define us going forward. And the more you do this with small or medium-sized hurts or, and offenses, the more this will become a natural and instinctive process for you when, when a bigger offense comes your way or when you're ready to deal with larger hurts. And that's really important. Because you're not meant to carry around old wounds, old wounds and old hurts forever. There, there may be a time to do that, and you need to process them, like I said. You need to name them, and sometimes you need to carry them for a season. But there comes a time when the most healthy thing that you can do is set it down and walk away. Let's be clear. For, forgiveness doesn't mean pardoning or condoning an offense. Forgiveness doesn't mean being submissive or weak or foolish. Forgiveness doesn't mean that justice is ignored nor abolished. Forgiveness doesn't negate uncomfortable emotions. Forgiveness simply redirects emotions, including anger and bitterness, to a safer, safer and more positive end. Forgiveness is living into the truth that you are made in the image of God, that you are made in the image of love, that you are truly being who you are designed to be. It is a leap of faith with a hope for freedom. There is faith needed in forgiveness. And the faith of forgiveness is believing that the place where the hurt was found is the place where healing is coming. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is believing that the place where the hurt is found is the place where healing is coming. Because the incredible thing about the Jesus story is that you are never defined by your worst or hurtful moments. In Jesus, you are forever defined by your next moment. Colossians 3 verses 12 to 14 says, So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe. God picked you out, picked out for you compassion, kindness, humility, discipline, be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you, and regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Never be without it. We love because he first loved us. That's placing our hope in Jesus. We forgive because we are forgiven. That's placing our hope in Jesus. We know that we are not defined by our worst moments or deepest hurts. That's placing our hope in Jesus. We care for our mental health through, through acknowledgement and, and, and addressing it and engaging with it and, and walking through rehabilitation. That's placing our hope in Jesus. We embrace freedom and healing through a discipline of forgiveness. That's placing our hope in Jesus. Some of you have fought battles of bitterness on your own for far too long. And Jesus invites you to cast our burden, your burden, on him. To discover what forgiveness is when it is received so that we can be free givers of it in our lives. We're going to close in prayer this morning. And so I pray that love may lead forgiveness 
in each and every home that's listening, that the presence of God would be so present and that you would discover forgiveness in your heart today. So Father, we give you thanks that you are shaping us so that we can be deeply formed in a way that reflects your image. Thank you that the action of love that you presented for us is one of forgiveness. Lead us, guide us, reveal to us where we need to acknowledge the hurt we're holding on to. Give us the courage to engage. Give us the community to talk it out with and give us the, just the, the boldness to act on it. I pray that you would meet people where they're at, that they would experience your incredible grace and healing right now. That forgiveness would not be the second option, but it would slowly become our default, that our demonstration of love would come in our moments of forgiveness. I pray for healing in the hearts of those who have carried deep hurt for so long. I pray that they would know your incredible love and your incredible forgiveness. And from that place, they might find strength to begin their journey towards freedom. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.